0: This is an AI Group podcast. Welcome to this AI Group podcast. And our podcast today is about why does change hurt? My name is Grant Cleary, National Marketing Manager here at AI Group. And my guest today is Vanessa McCamley. Vanessa is the principal consultant and founder of Link Success, a learning and development consultancy specializing in the neuroscience of leadership, performance, and productivity to unlock an organization's greatest assets, that is, their people's brains. Vanessa, welcome back.
1: Thanks, Grant.
0: We've done a few podcasts now.
1: We have.
0: And I really enjoy these. I think they're, they're great. It's getting,
1: great that we've had the demand to keep me coming back.
0: We're getting some good audience. We're getting people say, I want to hear more of Vanessa, um, and it's, it's excellent. So this is really, really a, a really interesting one today, why does change hurt? I think a lot of people are going to find this really interesting. So change is all around us and often happening to us. And whether we like it or not, it's an, ev- it's an inevitable part of life. And some people thrive on change, but for others it can be very stressful. And I had this conversation with a friend yesterday who is, a I guess, an entrepreneurial-type spirit, and I said to him, are you comfortable with change? He said, absolutely. He said, if I'm not changing, if I'm not growing and adapting, then I feel uncomfortable. And I thought, that's interesting Because for other people, they'll have a very, very different response. For change, it will be scary. It will be uncertain. And I guess it's not uncommon um, to other things. So, for example, you know, recently had a family holiday to Disneyland. I hate roller coasters. My (laughs) wife and son love roller coasters. They find them exhilarating. They find them exciting. I find them terrifying. So, you know, maybe there's an analogy there with change. So... Do we really think that much about how our brains deal with change and why change is sometimes difficult to deal with? And, you know, how can we more effectively change or effectively manage the change curve? So those are some of the things we're, we're going to explore further today, Vanessa. Excellent. So let's kick off. I'd like to ask you first, could you provide us with some context as to why our brains are needing to cope so much with so much change in our lives.
1: So if we look at the evolution, so if we go back from hunters and gatherers to the agriculture to industrial to information, knowledge and now what we're calling this era as the wisdom age or it's also known as the wisdom economy, it's also known as the digital age. It has many, many names depending on who has um, cloned them (laughs) or tagged them. But it's basically characterised by the wise application of knowledge. We're operating in a world that doesn't stand still and it's becoming complex with the overwhelm of information doing more with less.
0: Yeah, we talked about this recently with the digital overload podcast that we did. You know, yes. how we, we're always online. You know, we need to be online 24-7. We need to feel as though we need to respond to that email and on, on, all of this stuff.
1: And reaching higher targets while still being expected to change or learn a new technology or a new process, but still having high targets, the brain is freaking out for some people. And so it's really important to understand the context of the environment that we're operating in. We need to see see innovation as valued and encouraged. See change as an opportunity as opposed to something that needs to be managed in prescriptive ways. We haven't adapted enough to this increasing complexity, and this is some of the challenges that we are faced with. Perhaps we need to change the language by not using the word change. And some ideas on that that I've worked with clients with is using words such as innovation, growth, rewiring, or perhaps brain switching. For some organisations, they change projects. Like I've been into organisations where they've started a change project that was four years ago, four years, and we're still on this change um, project. How long is In- the
0: change going to take?
1: Yes, how long is it going to change? As opposed to seeing it as an evolution, that we, nothing ever stays the same, that we're constantly changing and we're constantly evolving. So the language of what we use is really important. Yeah, I think, that's a,
0: I think that's a great point. And I think some of these you know, terms that you use, like innovation and growth and, and those sorts of things, may be, um, may be something that people are more comfortable with. And I wonder if there's a generational thing here as well, Vanessa. Do you think younger people are more comfortable with those terms and older people may be more threatened by a change term?
1: I don't think – look, I see it in all different shapes and forms and I don't think you can just put it down to that um, – I think it depends on, like you said about your friend before, is that I think entrepreneurs, people who are constantly having to deal with change, are used to change, it becomes the norm. And then when you're not experiencing that, then you go, oh, okay, what's going on here? <laughs> Why am I not dealing with, with an obstacle here? You know. So I think it really depends, and it's what you and I spoke about earlier, Grant, is that it depends on how you code, code what's happening. It's how you perceive it, it's how you actually dissect it and it's what you give meaning to.
0: Absolutely. Okay, so tell us what's involved with, you know, what's actually going on in this brain matter of ours. Um, How does the brain process all of this change?
1: What a lot of people don't understand, and we've talked about this in the past, is that we often carry our brains around with us with very little awareness to actually what's happening in the brain. So we're 95% of the time using our subconscious. And we're only 5% of the time using our conscious. So our subconscious is actually processing over a million pieces of information per second. And our conscious brain is only probably aware of maybe 40. And out of that 40, we're probably conscious of maybe three to four of those at any, any second. So if you look at from a brain science perspective, and when I was studying, this is what really blew my brain away to go, whoa, no wonder change is complex. Even though we have the ability, and I talk about neuroplasticity, which we'll talk a little bit more about as we go, we have this ability to change, but it takes a lot of energy. Our brain is a very hungry energy resource. So a lot goes on in change within the brain to determine whether the reward is great enough to engage in the energy-hungry process of change. There are a lot of brain areas that are affected by change that have to actually go through the change process to help you actually make sense of what's going on with change.
0: So, how much of this are we in control of? If you you know, you talk about the brain, um, you know, five percent of our thoughts are, are you know conscious. 95 percent of some cultures is that correct? Mm-hmm. So given that how much of how can we change that waiting how can we be more conscious of our thoughts and how we're processing change and how can we reframe some of this so we're more uh, comfortable with change or process change better
1: So by understanding more about the brain so again you don't need to go into the detail that I just went into but it was great for me that's grown up, in this work world where logic and having data and having information and having evidence means a lot and for me i guess from a personal perspective it's allowed me to understand what's going on and not to be so hard on myself and to take that breathing moment to go oh let me understand what's going on here and often people say to me well why does why does the brain Why does change hurt so much? (laughs) Because it's an energy, the brain is a a hungry energy resource. And so it doesn't like to take on too much. And I think what's happening in this world is that we take on too much change all at once and the brain starts to freak out and and overload. And we're dealing a lot in this digital age of overwhelm. And so... When we're dealing with too much, the brain just goes, okay, I've had it, I'm out. (laughs) And so it then starts to see things as a threat and we want to move away from a threat Mm. as opposed to move towards it and embrace it. And sometimes we just need that breather to go, okay, I don't like this change, my brain's freaking out, but let me breathe and let me start to look at this from a different perspective.
0: Yeah and is, is there also some behavioral um or personality traits that impact how you process change as well so um you know positive people may tend to assume that everything will be okay I can deal with this I've dealt with change in the past I can deal with this that's fine but others who are perhaps more pessimistic might say oh yeah gosh here we go again you know this is all my fault or or you know I'm going through this change and um and and you know, look at the negative side of it perhaps more than the positive side?
1: Absolutely. And I think, again, it comes down to what we said before. It's how you actually perceive it and how you interpret what's actually happening. So change is a process. It's not an event. And the action itself is a result of multiple inputs and exchanges between the different brain regions, right? So Often I say to people, it's really important that we go, how else can you see this situation? How else? Who else is doing change and doing it really, really well? So that you can have some mentor or have some people who are able to do this and are having great results and getting the reward from, from that change. But it's not about dismissing how you're feeling either. I think that's really important. It's not to say that... We all have to be the change heroes. I think it's really important to understand how the brain works. Give yourself a break. <laughs> Give yourself that breather to to have a think about, well, what are you thinking about and how are you processing it and how else could you deal with this in a different way or looking through a different lens? Mm.
0: So, yeah, it's not necessarily dismissing that change. It's being courageous about it and it's about looking at different ways of dealing with it. But it's also about working with others, so you know that could be a friend, or a coach, or a mentor who can help you reframe it as well, and say, "Well, this change could be really positive. This change could lead to some really positive outcomes, and you know, remove that uncertainty or ambiguity, and and um, uh, you know, you know, become more of a fight rather than flight sort of response, I guess."
1: Absolutely, I think the brain is a social organ. It needs connection. So when we're sometimes feeling like we're dealing with a certain change, it's when you start to actually appreciate other people that can actually give you some insight into what's happening for you, um, share different experiences to know that it's going to be okay or to give you that different lens or that different, different experience from a different point of view.
0: Yeah, and I think that's incredibly powerful, and I think um, you know I I actively um, surround myself by people that I admire, people that I learn from, Um, um, and you would be someone that I would put in that category, so someone who helps me a lot uh, with advice around change and dealing with ambiguity and so forth, so thank you for that.
1: Oh, you're welcome, Grant, and again, this is what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about thinking about, well, every person's different, no two brains are the same what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for another. So how can we change or tweak things along the way to make it work for that person so it's not that hungry energy resource that's draining your brain?
0: Absolutely. So um, in your experience, Vanessa, what are some of the challenges that you see or that you face in facilitating change?
1: There are several challenges and one of them is called the false consensus effect. It's the tendency to vastly overestimate what people know, assuming others know what you know and see what you see. Now, tell me
0: more about that. I'm fascinated by this.
1: I often have leaders and please don't be offended by this, but I often have leaders that say to me, "Why are people so stupid?" And it's because at times it's so frustrating because we're moving at such a fast pace. And in their minds, they can see the direction, the strategy, where they want to take the business. They see the opportunity. They can't understand why people are just not executing against it. But again, as I said, no two brains are the same, and this is because of the spatial pattern codes, which means that what communication, what seems common sense or what seems common in your brain and what makes sense doesn't necessarily translate to other people the same way. So checking in with people and to get people to understand and to get them to interpret what that looks like, what that means and what other options there are, actually can be really, really valuable to leaders. But because we're constantly feeling pressured to deliver, 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 we're living in this instant world, is that we sometimes don't have that breather and that opportunity to be able to really check in with people to where they're at and how they're processing and what that could mean for customers, partners, so forth.
0: Yeah, I think there's a couple of important messages there. And the first is engaging hearts and minds. Yes. You know, that we can apply all this rationale and statistics and facts and figures to stuff. But, you know, unless you're engaged and you think, well this is this is so you know, this is something that's going to benefit me personally or something that's going to be good for me, then you're not going to engage the heart and you're not going to necessarily get people moving in that direction with you. And then this, you know, uh, one of the attributes I've often heard about a strong leader is is this ability to translate the complex into the simple. And so, you know, when you when you talk about a leader saying getting frustrated and saying, "Why are people so stupid? Why don't they get me?" perhaps they're not doing a great job of translating that complex into the simple.
1: And a lot of people who are very good at what they do from a strategic perspective They sometimes don't have the emotional intelligence on how to actually bridge that gap through their people, which is why I come on in to help them to be able to achieve that.
0: And so do we tend to – we tend to assume that people just think like us. Mm.
1: We do. So even though you and I are friends, Grant, and we get on very well and we connect and we have very like-minded ideas – we can sometimes make a mistake by assuming that we think exactly the same.
0: Yeah, and that can be, look, a blessing and a curse because it brings new ideas. It makes you, it makes it a more stimulating um, relationship because you're learning new stuff from, from each other. Um, but it can be a curse in terms of, well, I thought you got it in the same way that I got it. You know. Yes.
1: And so we often have this where we can feel let down to go, oh, we're not on the same page, right? <laughs> because... You know, we have this like-minded. Our brains are going crazy. We're creative. We're innovating. We're coming up with all these ideas. Then all of a sudden, we have this disconnect.
0: A big part of people processing change, dealing with change, dealing with ambiguity, is denial, right? And some people will just quickly jump into a state of denial. This is not happening. You know, I'm going to pull the doona over my head and pretend it's all it's all going to go away. Um,
1: or it's process. Oh, no, here goes another change. It's okay. I'll just write it out.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll just write it out. I've done this before. I'm going to be fine. I'll, I'll just, just keep you know, on
1: doing the same old thing. <laughs>
0: just ignore any emotions or negative th- things that I might be feeling. So, you know, what can people do to move themselves through this denial phase?
1: So this is what we call managing the change curve. And what tends to happen, we come out with Oh, this is the strategy, this is what we're going to do, this is the direction, this is how we're going to add value. And then what happens is a lot of people, so you talked about we can have people who are positive, optimistic, and then you have those who are more pessimistic. So you have more the positive or the negative. But what tends to happen is we tend to get on board, we get excited, we have highly, early high expectations, we get excitement. And then As we're starting to apply or starting to to make these changes, we find that we have obstacles. And guess what? We have obstacles in every part of our life. There isn't a human being on the planet that doesn't have an obstacle. But our brain doesn't process it that way. Okay? So what happens? We start to go down from that excitement down into the negative where we look at denial, which we just spoke about. So some tips to move through denial is look around, seek out information and notice what is happening around for you. What's happening around for others? Separate what you wish were true from what is actually true. Talk to other people about what are they seeing and doing about the change and learn why the change is happening.
0: Okay, so we move on from denial. We're starting to accept the change. We may even be embracing the change to some extent, but there's still some level of resistance. How do we get through that?
1: That's a really great question. Be aware of your feelings and accept it's natural to feel this resistance because of all those areas within the brain that I spoke about before. There's a lot happening. So give yourself a break, have a breather, but plan for and acknowledge resistance when you face it. It's not about putting it under the carpet. Understand that you will want to blame others for the change. But try to move beyond blaming others to understand the reasons for the need to change because it really comes down to survival. We can't do the same things like we were operating in the industrial area, which is in the industrial era. We are still doing ways or behaviours and habits from the industrial area that are no longer serving us in this busy digital age. So we do need to be able to have that ability to change.
0: And I'm just looking at the change curve and just moving along through these different stages. And in fact, what we'll do is we'll share that change curve on the on the podcast uh, landing page so people can see what we're talking about.
1: That's a fantastic
0: idea. Um, but you know we go through we go into that dip, we go through denial, we go through resistance, we're starting to come out of resistance and the, the curve is starting to head upwards. And we we start going through exploration. Tell me more about that.
1: So exploration, some tips for that is learn new skills that are required. So as we're starting to look at change, look, what can you do? What skill sets do you have? Where do you add value? But then where could you take that value to that next level to be able to adapt to that change? View the change from many different perspectives. And again, we spoke about that social connection with other people that you admire or who are doing a really great job in being able to deal with change, explore alternatives before deciding and seek out many new ideas as you can so that we're not just using our short-term memory and picking out what our comfort zone, our default network, that we're actually exploring more ideas using the deep pockets of your subconscious Work with others to solve problems, you know, brainstorm more and try things out before you decide. And I really want to emphasise this point. Try things. And when I say try them, I'm not talking about trying them once, twice or three times, but really give something a really good crack mm. before you give up. Mm. Because if you think about it, Grant, I know you've, your children are grown up, but if you think about when they were at that transition between walking and walking, and crawling, so going from crawling to walking, how many times do they fall over before they learn to walk?
0: Yep, that's a really good point. You know, And, and becoming teenagers, there's a whole new set of challenges around change.
1: Yes, And again, absolutely. that's probably
0: another podcast for another day.
1: Oh, great. See, we're brainstorming <laughs> on the spot. We're coming up with new ones, Grant. Um, but, but if you think about how many times, many, many times, they've got cuts, bruises, you name it, between that transition between between crawling and walking. But as an adult, we tend to try something once, twice, maybe three times before then we,
0: yeah, we give and up. Yeah, and one of the themes that keeps coming through here is working with others. You know, seek out other people for support. Work with others to solve problems. So, you know, this notion of, of leadership um, through guiding others but also supporting others and also teamwork. They're really, really powerful concepts during change, aren't they?
1: They are the, the essential ingredients because as long as I talk about previously about emotions are contagious, it is so true. But if you're talking to someone because they have a problem, not because they're blaming other people or or complaining about, but they're actually seeking solutions, it's a different um, part of the brain that's actually processing that's going to give you better ideas and thoughts and dig into your deep, subconscious to bring out other ideas and other experiences and tools that you're, you'll you be able to use.
0: So do you reckon there's a difference here between extroverts and introverts and in how they deal with change? Because if you think of extroverts, they might naturally seek out others for support or verbalize stuff with other people to deal with that change. Introverts might be inclined to be more introspective and deal with it internally. Do you see any changes there or differences?
1: In my experience, you're right. I think extroverts talk Talk out, but I think they do a lot of short term, they use a lot of their short term memory. Where I find that introverts do a lot more thinking and processing. And the only thing I would encourage with those who are more introverted is to don't be careful, be conscious of your thought patterns, don't overcook it before you have that conversation with somebody.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, my next question what can you do to support and sustain? your commitment to the change so you know you mentioned just then about extroverts just focusing on the short term introverts might take a longer term view so what can we do to you know sustain that commitment to change
1: focus your energy and time where you can make a difference everyone's has a value look at that value not only in terms of what it is today but also look the future to go how can i take that to the next level Recognise and reward yourself along the way of change. Set yourself, break down change into little bite-sized chunks to go, okay, let me just get to this point. Have you ever, from a sports perspective, done a big long run or something really uh, like a long-distance run or something that Marathon takes you, or something like, yeah, yes, like endurance? Yeah, I
0: have, yeah.
1: Sometimes when you're in pain... <laughs> Right, and you've been running for a long time, you go, I just don't know if I can get to the finish line. Sometimes the mentor that goes, okay, what's my next marker? If I can only get to the river or if I can only get to this point in time, then I'll just focus on that. Then you get to that river or to that marker, then you set the next one. Oh, okay, if I can only get to that next up, up the top of that hill, then I'll take a breather. So you get to the top of the hill and you just keep breaking it down into small chunks. If we keep looking at the finish line and it's miles away, it's very, very hard to have the energy to be able to process that. Again, the brain seeks certainty. So if it feels like it can't do it, then it just gives up and goes, I can't do this.
0: Yeah, so setting those little milestones. How much of this, how much of how we deal with change is about control? So if you're someone who naturally likes to have control in their life. They like to have certainty. They like to be in control of things. You know, are they less likely to deal with change well?
1: So you've been asking me about different personalities and different types. It really comes down to how well, how much certainty do you need? The brain seeks certainty. It's a natural part of the brain to seek certainty. And we're living in a world that is very uncertain from politics to economics to um, changing tides to how we do things with artificial intelligence coming in. There's, a, there's so many different things that are coming on in and the brain seeks certainty. So it depends on your, your level of certainty depending on how much control that you need. And from experience, like for myself, I've changed my career three times I've restudied three times and done very different directions, even though it's always been people-orientated, going from hospitality to IT to now neuroscience, leadership, performance and productivity. I've retrained, so I've got the adaptability, but I still seek certainty. So even though I've been able to adapt and be able to change, I'm not saying that that's been a walk in the park, but it's been about how I've been able to deal with change and help other people deal with change that has allowed me to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I
0: think even though you've done those different careers, there's some there's some consistencies there in terms of you're dealing with people. So hospitality, leadership, business, and now what you're doing in terms of, you know, performance coaching and business coaching, it's all about people. So that's a massive consistency all the way through. And everything that you learn through that in terms of how to deal with people and understand people better and get the best out of people it's all, it's all got to you to where you are today. So, you know, you might say, thank goodness for all that change because if I hadn't had that change, perhaps I wouldn't be skilled to be doing what I'm doing today.
1: And that's exactly it. When I was young, when I was 18 and trying to work out what did I want my career to be, I remember my dad saying to me, he said, your gift is people. And I went, well, what does that mean? <laughs>
0: How do I make money out of it?
1: And and now I look back now, being in in my mid-40s, looking back, going, wow, I've spent over 20-something years of my life dedicated to people and understanding people and helping people. And I realise that that is my passion, that's my skill. And That's why I'm saying before that tip about find what you're good at, what's your value, but keep taking it to the next level. Look into the future and go, well, how can I take my skill set and what does that look like moving forward, but still being present to go, okay, this is what's happening with, say, for example, artificial intelligence. How can I add value to that to help people to be able to change their brain and to be able to adapt, use neuroplasticity, find new pathways in the brain so that you can work with artificial intelligence in new and meaningful ways, for example.
0: Yeah, great points, and I I think as... Parents of teenage, We're both parents of teenagers and I think, you know, we'd both agree that we'd encourage our kids as they grow up to try different things, try lots of different stuff, you know, experiment. Don't just, you know, the days of just going and getting one job and spending 40 years in that job are well and truly over and I think that's a good thing because I think they will learn so much from doing different stuff, from trying new things. They will, you know sooner rather than later, hopefully, find out what their sweet spot is, find out what they're really good at, and then take that to different careers or different businesses, different organisations. Hopefully they can invent some sort of app that makes them billionaires and so we can be comfortable (laughs) in our old age. Um, I'm
1: hoping for the same (laughs) thing through my son as well.
0: So, Vanessa, tell me, why does change hurt?
1: Dealing with certainty in a change process is very important for success. It is often overlooked and undervalued in the change process. As I mentioned before, the brain seeks certainty and some people need more certainty than others. With change, people seem to assume that everything will be okay, so don't deal with the uncertainty change can create for people. Others who are pessimists, Find who find the faults and fears in everything. Then you have people who are more optimistic, who think <laughs> everything's going to be all right, and then they don't actually mitigate or look at the potential risk or what they need to do to be able to navigate sure. to make it okay. We need people to feel certain about the purpose, the why, the benefits, and the steps involved, and mitigate any potential risk, and that it's worth the effort the reward of changing. And I think that's really, really important is that it's got to be the risk. The reward has to outweigh the risk, otherwise no action actually happens.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. So it's, you know, it, again, it's about reframing, right?
1: It is about reframing. It's about how you're actually digesting it and being consciously aware What's your initial thoughts and then how can you actually change those thought patterns?
0: One final question, Vanessa. We've covered so much today and thank you so much. Um, it's always an insightful discussion. One final question is any, any final tips that you have on how our listeners can deal with change more effectively?
1: So talk about breaking things down. So I'm going to give you three, three steps from a brain-based change model to really help you with that, which is one, is about it's okay to deal with change. Give yourself a bit of a break, a bit of a breather, but create a towards state. So that could be knowing people that are doing well in that particular change or someone that you respect or look up to as a role model that you can connect with, but look at how do you create a towards state. The second one is facilitate new connections, new connections with the brain, new connections with people you ha- may not have spoken to in the past, you know, that you have observed that have done some great work. Try to make new connections. And the third one is embed new wiring. And how you do that is really to clearly understand why the change is happening. yeah, And then to work out, well, how are you going to use your skill set, the value that you have, to be able to contribute to that. And then what what skills do you need to be able to take that to the next level? And how can you focus on that to be able to embed that new wiring? It takes around 90 days to create a new behavior, a new skill or a mindset.
0: Excellent. Vanessa, how do people find you if they'd like to know more? I know you're on LinkedIn, but what's your website address?
1: It is linksuccess.com.au.
0: It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time today. I look forward to the next one.
1: Thanks, Grant. Appreciate it.